Hello, welcome to UCLA Radio, and this is the Deep End Theory with Leslie Snipes and Valid. Today we are joined with Tyson Illingsworth, better known as Tie-Dye, to talk about his latest album, Collide. Tie-Dye has produced five full-length albums, numerous EPs, and he was signed by Armada at the age of 17. Today's conversation will focus on Tie-Dye's latest album, Collide. Collide is a collaboration with Christopher Tin, a classical composer. Collide masterfully blends dance and classical music. The album is one of the most unique and ambitious dance projects in recent memory. We love to see borders and boundaries being pushed, and this album goes where no album has gone before. Tyson, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. I love the introduction. Thank you so much. It's pronounced Tidy. <laughs> but that's okay. Tidy? Ah. Yeah. I always what... thought it was tie dye. I've no, never heard it You pronounced. get that a lot, huh? I get that all the time. I get that all the time. So don't worry at all. It's Tidy, and also uh, a lot of people throw an S in my last name, Tyson Illingworth. So uh. people say Tyson Illingsworth. But that's okay. I forgive you, and thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> Very happy to have you with us. So let's start off with, how did you come up with Tidy? I didn't come up with it. It was a name given to me in high school. I, I think because my name's Tyson, people just call me Tidy. In Australia, it uh, seems to be like a novelty just to mess with people's names. <laughs> so like, you know, if your name's John, people call you Jono or like Robbo or whatever. If, I'm, I'm from a city called Brisbane. They call it Brizzy or Bris Vegas. So Tidy was the name that was given to me and I uh, ended up uh, at one point winning a DJ competition at a very young age. I was a teenager and I had the name Tidy and it just stuck. I won the comp and I kept the name. Ah, okay. And I also saw somewhere that it, you also go by the alias of Tyson Dior Yes, I have uh, I have music out under different aliases uh, in their different kind of acts, I guess, different styles, different uh, genres. Interesting. Okay. Um, so let's talk about Collide. All right. It's a new album. I just I, came out. Yeah. What do you want everyone to know about it? If you oh. had to sum it up in one sentence, what would it be? Okay, Collide is the most ambitious project I personally have ever taken on, and it could be it could be the most ambitious project in dance music to date it's uh electronic music meets an entire orchestra with a two times grammy award-winning film composer and it's a story of both electronic music and the most epic film score you've ever heard i agree with that assessment the film aspect definitely shines through the album like there's this a lot of the songs have a lot of i mean there's a lot of emotion all throughout but there's a lot of like suspense almost with a lot of it and it makes you um a lot of tension in the yeah yeah. and and it's like the sort of the classical parts like sort of build up to this you know they build up this tension and then the dance music part comes in and sort of releases it and actually let's go ahead and play a track from the album right now Sounds good. Let's start with the the first first track, Everything I See.
I that is my favorite song. I got a little <laughs> too excited there and actually clicked on the wrong song. <laughs> yeah, that's actually called Can't Look Away. Correct. They, they both start with a C. Yeah. But. Yeah. <laughs> um so Wait, you mentioned... no, they don't. You you said you were gonna play everything I, I see. Yeah. And then one ends with a C. It ends with a C <laughs> and then you played Can't Look Away. But that's okay. I got a fun fact about that track. Um I wrote that track with my ex-girlfriend in a swimming pool, which doesn't make any sense. You'd be people like, how can you bring musical instruments into a swimming pool? You can't. So what I did was um, we were actually in uh, San Francisco, and uh, I played a melody on a piano, and I recorded it with my iPhone. On an app? Yeah, just on the voice memos. So, so there's a real piano. And then just like played that. I played the main melody you hear in that song, and then took that. We went, okay, let's get in the pool now. And this is at nighttime. It was like a heated pool. We got in the pool and then just looped the voice memo and started writing the lyrics and the song over the voice memo and started to record that on her phone. And that's how we got the actual song, so the main melody and the lyrics for that track. It was all done in a swimming pool. Wow, just on the spot. On the spot. Well, I mean, you know, we would we would go, oh, let's change this, let's change that. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was very... Uh, it was crazy that in out of one night came the lyrics, the melody, you know, for that song. And then the the rest of it is is what took a lot longer with the entire orchestra and all that stuff. But the the if you break it down and played it on an acoustic guitar or a piano and vocals, you would find that it's just a very beautiful, simple song. And it was all it was all written in one night on a pool in a pool. In liquid. And is is that the only song that you wrote with this particular girl? Um, I wrote a few songs in my life with this particular girl. That's the only one on this album, though. Yeah, I think I was just too excited to play that. I think that's my favorite track off the album. That's okay. <laughs> I was very, I'm glad you played it. It's a beautiful song. <laughs> yeah. I'm very happy with it. Yeah, and so now maybe we actually play the true first song off the album, which is still Everything I See. Uh and I promise to pay, play the right song this time. <laughs> okay, you promise? Promise. Okay. Just a fun fact, I played this piano. Nice. So, I mean, this sounds like just like a, a beginning of like a, a movie, right? It's just the like beginning of the album. The f this is actually going to be the last track on the album. And it was uh, about a particular person, but um, I didn't want my album to end like it was the final chapter or something. The more I thought about the album over the last two years that I was working on it, I thought, this is not the end of something, it's the start of something. So I actually moved this track to the very first track on the album. You can hear, like, in the background, there's just slight woodwinds. There was a flute there. And here comes the orchestra.
love how this track is a duet. Yeah, so that's the end of that track. Yeah, so in particular, the end of that track, I was wondering, so what what was the main decision in bringing that end part in? Because it's so, it's, it, it could be construed as, as a sad ending or it could be uh, like a hopeful for a new, yeah. new beginning. Yeah, so to, so to answer your question, it was originally going to be the, the end of the album. Uh, I wrote the album during a lot of, uh, a, a weird time in life, but, um, but, if you listen to the lyrics, uh, originally it had a different vocal. I'd, I'd written a different part for the song, and it was a lot more negative. And 
it stuck with that whole I don't think I care anymore, which is the yeah. very end of the album, uh, very end of the song. But then, um, as life progressed and things changed for me, I got engaged and I got engaged and uh, uh, just things were, were just amazing, and I was in a different headspace. And so um, I ended up rewriting the whole vocal of that track with a friend of mine, Jordan, from the Ready Set, and uh, Cameron Walker, who's on a lot of my other songs. And we wrote the lyrics, you know, wide, wide awake to the white lights when your blood blends with red wine. Sorry, white wine. Um, I could sleep because you're mine now. So it's very positive lyrics. And then it's a call and response. The, the male vocalist is singing, uh, you know, you're everything I see, and then... My friend Tori, she's singing "You're Everything I See," and then the very end of the song, the one lyric that just pops out as being sad is "I don't think I care anymore," which is repeated until her voice breaks down. And intended originally, that was meant to be the the last song of the album, but it's actually pretty cool as the first now because it's kind of washing away everything I've made prior to this record. So yeah. it's mm-hmm. almost saying I don't think I care anymore about anything that I've overthought in the past. And that's why it's track one. And it's kind of like the end of that vocal is saying hello and welcome to Collide, the new album. Like letting go of everything else. Letting go of everything else. It's, it's almost like the first song of the album is a, is a cohesive chapter to say, an end chapter of, the, of, of what I've done previously in life. And, and it's to say goodbye to those things. I don't think I care anymore. And the second song is like, here we go into, into this new album. And yeah, I mean, to me, even just the arrangement of that song is like pretty indicative of the album as a whole, because, you know, there have been other dance groups that have done things with orchestra, like the Above and Beyond Acoustic, for instance, or like, you know, even Tiesto's Adiago for Strings. But none of neither of those, like none of those projects ever really tried to blend dance music with orchestral elements. Like they were really kind of, arguably Tiesto did, but they were never treated as equals, I suppose. And I think that track is really representative and like sort of treating the dance element as equal to the orchestral element. And so I, yeah, I think that's important for the whole album here with Collide is, as what the thing that makes it different to other albums that have included a full orchestra is that nothing is fighting for space. Nothing's fighting to be heard. Everything has its place. And, um, when I wrote this album with Christopher 10, we did it from the ground up and we did it, with the idea that there would be a section for the dance music and a section for the orchestra and vice versa. And there would be parts where they would overlap where electronic elements would come into the orchestra and there would be parts where that the dance beat would be going on. And then the orchestra would kind of have maybe some instruments overflowing over the top. It was kind of like this continual tumbling of, 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 like liquid almost where like the beat would drop and then and then all these strings would flood over the top but they wouldn't fully crash it they would just kind of flow and then the beat would keep going and then slowly pieces of the orchestra would come back in and then the whole dance track would collapse like this like it just tumbled down and then it would allow all the space for the orchestra so it was very much a, an album of contrast collide the whole way through is a very much an album of like making space for the, the orchestra or making space for dance and allowing them both to coexist perfectly um, and 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 allow allowing them both to like shine and show their beauty without making one of them sacrifice something for the other yeah I mean w- one thing I really noticed when I was actually listening to the album 
when I usually listen to electronic music, I could easily pick out sounds. When I was listening to this, the complexities are so much higher. I'm sure you you had to consider a lot more of, to avoid clashing. I'm pretty sure you had to pay a lot of attention to that. And so with all the rich sounds involved in the orchestral sh uh, side of things, I think that's what I realized the most is all the sounds were so rich and compared to like an electronic sound. Um, and that's one thing I really noticed. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely important to make sure that every instrument has its place. I mean, you might play one one note like a C note but there's actually like 60 different string players playing that one C note and so it makes it sound so full uh they might be playing it across you know a bass double bass cello violas violin but it's uh it's a very thick wall of sound and um you know you allow that to happen and you allow that to spread out into a chord but you, the key is the key for me was to not let things um like overwhelm other things there's little instruments in there like a piccolo or a waterphone or things that um or like a japanese shakuhachi flute things that things that weren't <laughs> don't get used at all in dance music where right? did that even come from <laughs> it came from japan <laughs> the shakuhachi it's uh it's it was used by the like i don't know what i don't want to say monks um japanese temples uh a century ago or something like that maybe more i mean this is testing me on music history now and i shouldn't be talking about it <laughs> but but uh but it's a beautiful instrument and it was played throughout these temples in japan and uh using that in a dance album is weird but uh, if it was just there over the top of an electronic beat you wouldn't notice it and it would go to waste and it would just be extra just noise but the beauty of this album and why it took so long to make and why it's so special is because um so much thought has gone into every little thing if you want this if you want this flute to sound special in just a two-second moment then everything has to be built around that and you know it, it's uh it's like that for every instrument in the whole record and so do you want to get into the second track next yeah let's do you it mention it upside down so if anyone's watched stranger things Sure, most people have. Uh, this is this is uh, one of the only songs in the album that takes some inspiration from a movie, or sorry, from a TV series. But it also carries a lot of uh, personal personal st story as well. This is kind of like movie scene. I yep. can hear the cinematic, you know, build. Yeah, there's a ton of instruments here.
Do you know what BPM this was in? This is uh, 124 BPM, I think. Is that the general range of the entire album? No, some are 128, some are 110. That I just fucking flip things. That track has a that that drop is a big surprise. Yeah, definitely. that drop it maintains kind of that duality <laughs> too like the it's like this super happy part of the song and then it's like boom filthy 
that that track um upside down is fun that that one's my one of my favorite for the dance floor because it just flips on its head it's got this kind of tech house groove going on and almost like pop vocals and then suddenly it just goes into this deep kind of grungy underground bass that uh just shouldn't be there but is <laughs> and um i like the contrast i like i like building everybody up to think that it's going to go higher and then just drop them with just bass and yeah that's fun but the, the cool thing about that song was i mean there's a lot of cool things but um besides the orchestra and the um and the the contrast and things like that lyrically is what's going on is fun um so uh there's a lyric in there that says you know we were backseat love in a station ride um that's this is actually based on a teenage story of mine but um you know we were, we were staying up at the used on blast that's a, one of my favorite bands is the used and i'm I actually i'm friends with the lead singer of the band now which is a weird twist and turn in life mm. but uh that's in there and there's a line that says you were cool with red in a champagne glass and a lot of people have asked me like why i wrote that but um, it was because we were in the studio and we couldn't think of a lyric and I had one red wine glass left in the whole house and I smashed it whilst pouring, trying to pour red wine for the vocalist and I accidentally he smashed it in the, glo- in the kitchen. And so uh, I was said to her, are you cool with red in a champagne glass? And uh, she's like, yeah, that's, that's fine. And I thought about it and I was like, that's actually a pretty cool lyric. Yeah. So... That ended up being in the song. You're cool with red in a champagne glass, which was just came from just just talking, <laughs> just talking at home. And there's another lyric in there, uh, like when you left, you left me hollow. Yeah, that's uh, it's like pretty heavy. Yeah, that's that's just based on Stranger Things. Um, we so the song is kind of a juxtaposition between a real relationship and the TV show Stranger Things. So it's like, you know, we, we wanted to play on the whole upside down thing. Like if a, if a relationship ends or someone leaves you, it's just this weird hollow feeling and it just flips you on, it flips you upside down. And so, you know, she's saying I'm in the upside down with ghosts all around, uh, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a little bit of poetry, a little bit of real life, a little bit of songwriting. So initially when you, uh, did create the whole album and the track list, I mean, you mentioned that you switched around the track list like very last minute. Yeah, uh, the track list was the last to come. I I probably wrote a hundred to one hundred and fifty songs, just actual songs, before I even decided I was gonna nail it down to a twelve song album. That doesn't mean I wow. cut. Yeah, so that doesn't mean I produced every song. So all those beats you hear and all the strings and the like, the orchestra wasn't done on one hundred and twenty of them. It was more like my me playing piano and a vocalist. And I wrote like 120 different songs because you could do a song or two songs a day. Uh, you know, it's not hard to write a song if you're a songwriter. So then you end up learning what your favorite songs are, and then those get narrowed down to become what is Collide. And then from from there is the uh, the production and the um, the orchestrating and all that kind of stuff that came later. A lot of these songs involve Christopher Tin. Every one of them does. And so how did – you want to just talk about how he got involved? Yeah. So, so ever since um, ever since I was – I studied music when I was a kid. I, I studied a Bachelor of Music and a Bachelor of Music and Technology. And um, 
learned all about classical music and, and all this stuff. And I, my, my dream was to score music for film. I always wanted to make music for, for movies. And at around the same time while I was studying this years and years and years ago, I uh, had made this album that was electronic called Look Closer. And that album went to number one in Australia and number, uh, I think, four in America and all this stuff. And I was like, okay. And people, people wanted to book me as a DJ. So I was playing around the world as a DJ. And I suddenly kind of put the whole movie scoring thing on the side because um, electronic music seemed to be what people were calling for. I made a second album called Shooting Stars. And that was uh, number one again in Australia, and you know it was topping charts worldwide. Then from there it was redefined, which is three years ago, and that was the album that really blew me up in America. And I moved to LA, and uh, that that was where I started to go. Okay, I really want to get back into live instruments and 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 really like bring in things that are um, not just in electronic songs. And then here we are today, three years after redefined with this album Collide, and this is the album that. I thought this, I'm not going to mess around anymore. I, I want to have an album that doesn't just have like 20 players. Like I want like 60 or even 120. So um, in order to do that, I had to work with someone that was um, in that world uh, a lot more than myself. And so Christopher Tin has won two Grammys for composing for film um, and all sorts of things. But yeah, he's a Grammy award-winning um, composer and... So I had a meeting with him and I was like, dude, uh, you know, I love your music because I was a really big fan of his stuff. And he had, we had a mutual friend who we'd worked with and we agreed to work on a song together. And that song turned into like a few and then I just kept sending him pieces of Collide. I was like, all right, like I've, over the last two years, I'd already been working on this album. So it was the final third year that he came on board. And I was like, okay, what about this? What about this? And eventually we had this 12 track thing where, you know, I thought it was just going to be one song with Christopher Tin, but it turned out to be a full album. And yeah, he really, what he brought to the table was insane. Like with the orchestration and, and bringing on that, that massive movie score feel. Um, Yeah. I, I owe it all to him. So, um, together, that's why it is called Collide. It's yeah. a collision of electronic music and uh, orchestral. Yeah, so that must have been uh, an interesting experience collaborating with someone like that that's not from like the electronic realm because you kind of just, if like traditionally, you're just going to throw back and forth an Ableton file, throw some synths and whatnot on top of like each other's sounds. But now you're throwing together orchestral sounds so i'm sure his workflow is different than than yours yeah so we we it wasn't just like passing files back and forwards it was um a lot of collaboration so he would come over to my place jam sessions and we would compose sections together i would do what's called like a mock-up where i would write for all these different instruments in the orchestra and then i would send it to him and say i want you know this section to sound like this and then he would come back and go oh tyson like you know that's really cool but the trumpet players are going to kill me they can't play that. So uh, he would kind of correct certain things. And uh, it, it was a lot of, it was a lot of um, really like close collaboration, not just, not just rookie. Hey, here's a synth line, bro. Put down a kick. Cool. Here's a kick. Put down <laughs> right. a synth. Like this isn't music that can be done by a dude smoking weed. This is uh, this album. Like uh, 
I, I mean that with no offense because I've heard some amazing songs by kids that smoke weed. But, um, <laughs> but but this is this is an album that's that's got an entire orchestra and has a guy who's won two Grammys for film composing and myself who have who has like fifteen years of of experience in producing electronic music. So this album is meant to be the peak, if not my last album, you know, um, of everything. It's 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 not. It's something where every little detail was thought out, not just not just something we could just send a synth to someone like if he sent me a bit that i thought didn't work we would have a phone discussion about that or if i sent him a a baseline and and it was counterintuitive to the goal of the song then he would say to me like okay we need to change this and that so it was a very collaborative process to get to where we are it's cool that you guys had that mutual respect to to take each other's criticism and just like build off of each other. Yeah, you have to, and it's not even criticism uh, when you're doing something like this. It's it's good fun, you know. Chris, I'm sure if Chris was here, he would agree that uh, he he learned some things working with me, and I've learned a lot of things working with him. Uh, it was it was a very it was beneficial for both of us. We both really got to a, got. I, I feel like every single person that you work with in the music industry is a uh, a chance to learn something new that you haven't done before. Yeah, and I definitely think for, you know, with the genre crossing and genre blending that if you didn't have that level of collaboration, it probably wouldn't have worked out. Like, it, you'd have to be, like, sitting there next to each other, like, actually figuring out, you know, like, this is this is my world, this is your world, let's make the two beautiful together. Exactly. Uh, and you have to, like, actually get, like, really far into it to successfully do that. Um, and so... Along along the line of like you know the the cinematic sound, can we expect any of these tracks to actually appear in like a video game or a soundtrack or a movie? Or are there any plans to make that happen? Um, the it's not really plans because the albums just come out, so uh, the the album's probably going to exist as it is for people to listen to. But I'm actually scoring music right now for two films, uh, which I can't talk about too much, but. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm working on, I'm working on movies and scoring my own music for film. I'm doing a comedy right now and also a horror film. Uh, but yeah, uh, it would be nice to see some music or to hear some music from Clyde exist in movies. Um, that's definitely not off the table. I, I think it would work. I could definitely see a lot that's of tracks. That's what I was assuming I, yeah. actually. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be, be good. Nice. Yeah. It'd be yeah. F- it's fantastic. And, and those opportunities always come up. Yeah. I don't doubt that. So we are running fast on time, and okay. I want to make sure we touch on my favorite song on the album, uh, which is Tell Me. All right, let's play it. I should add, uh, the vocalist on this track is Dia Frampton. She was the runner-up on The Voice, NBC's The Voice. She has the most beautiful vo- vocal, and the hardest part of this song was to wait until the middle to bring her vocal in. She could be singing right now, but I saved it for the... For way later in the record is a big surprise. that lift is like a 
Yeah, that's funny. Comes when the, in once, and then the second time, it's like a. That's when you. That's the uh, violins and violas, the top end of the orchestra there, the strings, anyway. And I, I really like this this developing part. that whole sequence is very cinematic it's like um, like you feel like something's gonna happen and now it's like happening you know in the yeah, movie this, or whatever like it's like the vibe of this feel it's coming it's very um, melancholy it's like
That's a big one. How did that come about? Um, well, that was uh, that was the very first song that I wrote for Clyde um, with D.F. Rampton, and like I said earlier, that was it was very hard to decide uh, what to do there because her vocal is so pretty. D is a good friend of mine, and uh, with a voice like that, I want to use her voice everywhere. Uh, and it was very hard to not have her at the start of the song. Because about three minutes go by, I think, before you hear her sing. Yeah. And yeah. and that was a creative choice. I remember even Chris said to me, he was like, you sure you don't want to have a vocal at the start? But I think that's what makes it special is you, you're listening to the song, you're grooving along, it kind of takes you somewhere. Then you hear Dia and it just takes you to heaven. Um, but it, that's just a song about hope and love and and uh, it's, a pos- it's just a positive record. But what's fun is the juxtaposition between the – the lyrics and then the the baseline. <laughs> that baseline's <laughs> filthy. Yeah, yeah. funky, filthy. Yeah, it just drops and just it doesn't have any. When it first drops, it doesn't have any percussion. It's the kick drum and this baseline that I actually invented. That baseline. When I say invented, like it's not a preset. It's something you can't buy or find. I made it uh, about fifteen years ago when I made the song "Good Dream," and um, it's this bass that I made using a whole lot of different synthesizers and running through running them through guitar amps and a randomizer so it it every time you play it it puts out a different sound so it's like it's like gurgling almost like it can't it's it's very uncontrolled and so the way I do it and, and the way I got that baseline was to um, give it all these inputs and algorithms that would tell it like what to what to try and play and it would do its best, and then I would let it do that for about 10 minutes. Then I would go back to it, and I'd find within that 10 minutes of just gurgling, I would find the bits that were the quirkiest, and then use that to make a 10-second loop. And that's how you get that boop, and it's like slurring and slopping around like it's like it's a liquid, I guess. And uh, yeah, it, that's not that's not from any kind of preset you can buy. That's That's a lot of... A lot of sound design going on. So it was a kick drum and just that bass line is, is the beauty of when that drops. A bit of white noise that goes just to like make it feel like it just mm-hmm. it's harsh. Yeah. And then, yeah, and the hi-hats come back in and it keeps rolling. And that very ending of the song where you hear the strings building up is called a pyramid uh, where like you have like, you know, the cellos at the sorry the basses and then the cellos, then the violas and the violins are all stacking up. And, and climbing up the scale and you get this big pyramid towards the end and then bang, it just stops. What is that sound technically considered? The one that in that halfway in the drop where it's like Um in the in the drop? Yeah. That's just a, oh the 
the synth at the top of it, you mean? That's yeah. The, that's like a, just a trance yeah. synth. It's just like a big saw wave. Yeah. Yeah. Just a big saw wave that I've cut very short and clean ah. to accentuate the bass. That song's about minimalism, I guess. I mean, if you, if you take away the lyrics and the story of the vocals, when it drops, it's very minimal. Even though it sounds busy, uh, it's just got this bass line that's kind of like ooey, gluey, kind of floating around, and then that the percussion and everything's quite minimal, really. And how do you pick out vocalists for these tracks? Like, what was your process for finding people? You said you were friends with Dia before, or? Uh, yeah, I, I did a song with Dia a while ago, like a few years back, called Stay, and that was made it oh, in the top yeah. 40. Yeah. I got very lucky with that. Uh, she, she's just a good friend, but I think, I mean, living in LA, it's not hard to find good vocalists as long as you're just a good person. Uh, Dia, Dia introduced me to London Thor, and she's the one who sings on uh, one of the other tracks on the album. Um, called did you know and um so yeah just people and you know cameron walker is on the very first song he's introduced me to other vocalists and they all actually know each other um which is interesting like not like i've introduced them they all know each other just in the industry so and so did you write the song from scratch with each particular vocalist or did yeah. you Okay, so yeah. from the very beginning you knew you were going to work with this person for this particular track i didn't know if they'd make it on the album uh, ah. <laughs> so I, like I said, I wrote uh, over a hundred songs, maybe 150 songs before I even thought about the album cut down, but I wrote songs with lots of people to try and find the coolest ones, the ones that I thought were the most special. I mean, you made so many songs and you went through so many options and you pruned out so many songs and this has taken you three years to construct. Now, after those three years, what made you feel like you were ready to release it? Um, it's okay. The best way I could describe that. It's a great question. Um, it's like playing Jenga. If you're ever, have you ever been the last player of Jenga where you can't sit a block on the top because the tower will collapse. And if you try to pull out a block, the tower will collapse. And that's when you go, Oh shit, I'm screwed. Like this, this is it. This is as tall as it can get. That's like that the album. Like I, 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 I was thinking, I was looking at all the songs, and I was looking at something I could add. But every time I tried to add something, it would not help it. And every time I tried to take something away, it wouldn't help it. And that's when I went, okay, it's done. So yeah. <laughs> so you just kind of reach this like tipping point where you're like, I have to. There's nothing more I can do. I I just I need to get this out. I've said the story. Yeah, it's it's where it's where you f- it's like I say it's like you, it's both melodically, sonically um it checks all the boxes. Complete. Like like yeah, if 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 I if you listen if I play that album to a composer, like I mean like I've worked like the the guy I made the album with is, you know, won Grammys. So I so I can definitely be sure that he's satisfied, but if when I know for a fact the album cannot be critiqued harder by composers, it cannot be critiqued harder by sound designers, by mixdown engineers, by mastering engineers, and by the world's best players. That's when I'm like, okay, this album is just like it. Honestly, it's why I told my fans it's my last album. It's it's uh, to me, it's my masterpiece, and, um, and not everyone's gonna love it. Music is subjective, so like you know, each song is got a vibe and if you're into jazz you're not gonna like this album if you're into you know if you're into um just classical and you don't like electronic music you won't like it but but if you're 
but for what I was shooting for with this record, I it's a dead on bullseye for me, and I don't think I could change a thing. I mean, it's been described as a, a genre defying album. It's sitting on number fourteen on yeah, the dance chart Billboard. on Billboard's it, dance chart. Yeah, mm. it debuted at number two on iTunes as well for dance music. Number sixteen on the classical number on Billboard. Currently at number sixteen in classical, so it's it's, it's, currently, it's yeah. hitting a lot of different charts I, and genres, which is crazy. I think you decided to make that Jenga tower collapse at the right time, I <laughs> yeah. guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, should we go into another track? You have one in particular you want to play? Yeah, if I would uh, end it out with one more song. This is just beautiful. Let's Let's end with Losing Sight. So I call this track Classical Trap. Yeah. It's also, it's got two time signatures. It goes from, right now it's 4-4, four, four, so it's like 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 2, there we go. And then it's about to go to 3-4. And it's also about to have a key change modulation from A minor to F sharp minor. The song's musically breaking a lot of rules. Key changes are coming up. A minor now to F sharp minor. Right now. There we go. Now it's about to go to three, four. If you count one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. There's no dance song like that. That's a great track. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I have a question. Yes. 
can people expect a live tour of this album? Uh, we're working on it. <laughs> working uh, on it with an orchestra, the full. Yeah, it's it's it. I um, I don't want to say too much too soon. <laughs> but it's in the works. This, there's a reason why I'm not on tour right now. Okay. All right. Cool. The stuff takes time. Cool. Looking that. forward to yeah. that. Uh, so be on the lookout for that, everyone. That's coming. Uh, hopefully, no official word yet. But no word yet. But uh, just enjoy the album. Take it one step at a time. People. Yeah, definitely. definitely. <laughs> it just came out. <laughs> we like to get excited, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, this has been great. Thank yeah, you. I mean, seriously, man, I am so impressed with this album. Like, uh, anytime genres blend, I think magical things happen, and I think you've definitely kind of struck gold here, mixing classical and dance music. It's uh, it's timeless. Yeah, I mean, it's timeless, and all those kids on Ableton smoking weed definitely can't do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe they can. Uh, Eventually, I, maybe. Who knows? I, I'd like to. I mean, I. I, I I'm not a hater, you know, I'm not jaded or anything. I just I just know that right now this is, I hope to have set a benchmark and hopefully people will uh, set new ones. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely think you have. And Thank you. It's an amazing album. Definitely check out the whole thing and stay on the lookout for more news about, about a potential. potential. Yep. <laughs> In the meantime, you can just listen to me uh, just ramble on Twitter and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming on the show. I really uh, appreciate it. And great talking with you. Cool. Thanks, guys.